Do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values? Have you ever thought you found the perfect book, but when you got it home, it completely missed the mark? Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books. We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox. Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of Rad Child Podcast. So this is kind of a special episode because usually we have adults on kind of talking about their experiences and their experiences with kids. But today it, it feels silly to call this person a kid because they are an adult. Um, but in in, you know, technicalities, they are a youth, I guess. But you know, today we actually have a youth activist on to talk about their experiences with activism. Before we get started, uh, I just want to do a quick land acknowledgement. So I want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge that the land where I record is situated within Jojage, which is the traditional unsurrendered territory of the Ganyugehaga First Nations. And as always, just like I really encourage you to uh, just, you know, take a look at the land that you live on, like take take a moment to learn about it. Um, there's a really great website called native-land.ca which regardless of the fact that it's a .ca website covers all of North America and some of Australia um, so you can learn about the land that you live on and uh, just you know think critically about your relationship with it because I, I just think that's an important thing to do all right so with that being said I'm gonna have my lovely first guest formally introduce themselves so we're just gonna do your name your pronouns and where you're from I'm Dawson uh, and my pronouns are he him and uh, I'm from Montreal as Hooray, well. Hey, Montreal. Uh, it's nice to have local guests. It's fun. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Before we sort of talk about activism uh, as a as an idea, mm. I'm curious, like, what what do you think like makes someone an activist? Like, what does that even mean? I think it's a really good question, especially right now, like, like yeah. in the height of a pandemic, when <laughs> when. I know, like, like especially everything that was happening with, uh, like, Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, now we're seeing a lot more movements kind of, like, starting, and, and what is activism when you're doing it from home, right? Yeah. And so I think we're, we're kind of redefining what activism is, but if, if I can define activism for myself, I think an activist is someone who intentionally and actively is trying to bring about change. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Also, I I almost forgot listeners to let you know that if I sound funny, it's because uh, I just had surgery on my nose and there's currently cotton in my nose. So <laughs> if I sound weird, it's because I can't breathe through my nose. Um, I don't know how that'll translate to <laughs> audio form, but just in case you're like, why does that sound funny? But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And also like talking about the idea of like, I think we, when like, I feel like when I, 
when someone's just like, think of an activist, go. Like, I think of someone at a protest, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. we go to that. And there are so many different ways to be an activist. I'm like, right, protests like are also aren't accessible to everybody and like all these different kinds of things. Um, but I think like you were saying, like now in this COVID world, it's like, what does that mean to still be, like if we can't be actively going places and doing demonstrations and doing things like that, like what does that look like? And I think it's made people, I think like if I can say something positive has happened from COVID, I think it's made people get creative with like- yeah how we do the things we do right like how many jobs do we now know we could do from home <laughs> like, it's crazy people like we can't do that from home like yeah we can though it took us like a pandemic to be like okay maybe you can do it from home you know maybe this can be accessible right <laughs> like exactly like so yeah. many things could be accessible that we're like oh that could be you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that we've been making i feel like institutions have been making excuses for it for so long and i'm just like no we really like this is like I think some people really like to do things in person and but I know like like my wife for example has severe anxiety and depression and like the fact that she can do school from home is like amazing for her to not have to be in a room full of people like she gets social anxiety like it's you know it's like perfect also just like so convenient to be able to do things from home and just like <laughs> just like go like leave and be right or on her lunch break like sure. we can have lunch together or something you know which is not, not something if she was on campus we would be able to do so um, but anyway yeah i think it's interesting to sort of reframe what activism means in this new world we're living in <laughs> yeah and i think it's not even only covid but like just in the technological world what is activism over technology yeah totally totally i'm curious to hear more about like your your personal story on sort of like how you got involved with activism jumping into this i i realized that you don't really know half of my story um yeah uh, i i I probably only know what what was in that article you sent me (laughs) which i will link in the show notes Yeah, so, you know, I, I did have an article come out about me in, in CBC talking about the activism that I'm doing in Ringette, but um, I started in activism actually a while before. Um, I was raised in an environment that, like, really valued empathy. Um, okay. Shout out to my mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yay, moms. But I, I started working with animals, actually. So oh, wow. um, I started volunteering at the SPCA at the age of nine. Oh, my nine. gosh. Um, that's yeah. where I got two of my bunnies from. So I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I, I volunteered there for, for a while. Um, I became the youth ambassador of the SPCA. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and I got really involved in animal activism. Mm-hmm. I went on to, uh, do animal welfare education, which is a lot of what I work in right now. Um, is I'm a coordinator of education for, uh, an animal welfare organization. Um, yeah, so I, I have that whole side of me that is that is animal activism, actually. But because I started activism so young, um, I was able to transfer all of my knowledge and my experience into other realms of my life. That makes sense. So, yeah, exactly. So when I became more immersed in the queer community um, and I was able to see that there there needs to be activism you know there needs yeah. to be change uh there needs to be push for change i was able to use that that i had yeah like um, those skills the same, yeah exactly i used the same kind of ways that i was standing up for animals to kind of stand up for for people instead yeah. so yeah i actually started this is even before all of this crazy things happened with ringette i was giving workshops in schools and companies oh, wow. 
yeah, on on LGBTQ community as well as uh, gender identity and expression. So activism is like is what I do. <laughs> That's amazing, and I feel like for some reason, like people are more likely to take like I, I feel like there's kind of two camps on this, but I feel like people kind of take it more seriously when it's coming from a kid's mouth sometimes because they're mm-hmm. like, "Whoa!" If like the youth, the youth, if they're caring about this, right? Like. <laughs> If, the if it's youth. bad, en- if the youth, yes, if they're if it's bad enough that kids are noticing the problems, <laughs> like because the whole because I feel like there's this idea like it's the kid's job to be a kid and like don't worry about problems and blah 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 blah, and like if kids are noticing, then like it's bad, right? So like <laughs> so I feel like that that's like this idea that like I don't know I feel like when or like sometimes like I oh my god this is a terrible example but like. Uh, this was a horrible thing that my family made me do and it was so fat phobic <laughs> and like on so many levels but i had an uncle mm-hmm. who uh, um was obese and mm-hmm. that my family like basically was like you go tell him to lose weight and that it's bad for his health and like to make it because they thought that he would take it more seriously if like a young yeah. person was like no i'm really concerned for you right which mm-hmm. was like a weird fat phobic thing that my family made me do really but like weird, but, but yeah, yeah th- my family is interesting <laughs> um but there, there's a lot of internalized fat phobia there but anyway that's another <laughs> episode um but uh but just all of that to say that i think sometimes like adults do kind of take it more seriously when like young people which is funny like it's either they take them more seriously or they brush them off and they're just like ah kids so i feel like it's sort of like one way or the other Um, it's true though i think it's it's they're gonna take it seriously if it's something that they think too you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And then if it's something that they're like, I don't understand, they're gonna be like, no, it's just children. Children making yeah. things up. But yeah, and also, uh, I mean, I obviously know, because I, I, I mean, from what was in the article, at least, I know mm-hmm. a bit about your story. But um, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit about the ringette side of, of your activism as well. Yeah, sure. So basically, I, not many people know what ringette is. Ringette's a sport. As an American, I had no idea. What it there was. you go. I know. <laughs> even even in Canada. Really? Um, people, yeah, people don't really know what it is, but just like fair. It's it's a very young yeah. sport. That's a small community. It's a sport, uh, an ice sport that looks similar to hockey, but mm-hmm. actually has a lot of uh, similarities to basketball. Ringette actually has a shot clock like like basketball so that the the uh, the game moves a lot quicker. Yeah, and there's like formations like in basketball as well. Oh, cool. uh, but it is played on ice. Looks kind of like hockey, skate, yeah. similar equipment. Ringette was created in 1963, so okay. just under 60 years That's ago. Baby- yeah. It's a baby sport. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was created in a time where women weren't allowed to play hockey. Yeah. We'll and make so, a girl version for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So it was created as this kind of like to be an inclusive sport and like offer um offer the sport for women who couldn't play hockey. Yeah. Um, and therefore it became a very female centric sport. Yeah. Uh now come, you know, almost fifty years later, I started playing ringette. Um so I started playing ringette when I was nine. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Little, wow. little you were doing so much when you were nine. You were like, I know. For animals. You started my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, so I started when I was nine. And I, at the time, I was identifying as female. And so uh, I started and it was a it was very female centric sport. I, it, it, although it never dawned on me that that there were only women in the sport. Because um, I was just grown up and, you know, yeah, I, I, I love with this sport. That's, yeah. I was like, I'm just there 
flinging <laughs> things across ice. <laughs> but really fell in love with the sport I, completely. I went on to play at an elite level, but then I, you know, I went on to coach and ref, and I was so so into this yeah. sport. And you know, I, I still am. Um, but when I was about sixteen, I came out as transmasculine, mm-hmm. and so. You know, it kind of had dawned on me before of of the exclusivity of this sport. Before I even came out, I, I did notice that, that that this sport had this very kind of exclusive environment to it. Um, so it was mostly women, almost all white, almost all quite wealthy. This was the kind of environment that was, and I, I never quite fit into it from the yeah. start. Um, I was never very feminine. I was never very wealthy. Yeah, me neither. Um, I feel you. <laughs> exactly. um, but you know, I, I fell in love with the sport and, and I, I just played it. Um, but when I came into real challenges was, I was so worried. What am I going to do about ringette? You yeah. know, because I knew that this is a very exclusive environment that I didn't fit in with it from the beginning. Yeah. And what am I going to do now that I don't identify as female either? Yeah. And so that was super, super scary for me. And, and I, I kind of just brushed it off and I was like, I'm going to continue playing because I can't deal with this right now. Um, and so I continued playing and, um, basically, uh, the way that a ringette season happens is a little bit like hockey, right? So it goes from fall till spring. Okay. And so the year that I, that I, came out and I and I socially transitioned started to medically transition I in that fall I decided I, w- I was gonna play ringette and um but I was gonna sign up using my correct name and my correct gender marker yeah um, makes sense. which is like fair <laughs> um yeah so I I you know I signed you have to like do an, uh, an inscription I was like okay inscription uh, registration you know, a little back. French firm in it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you do registration online. And so, you know, I put in my name and I put in my gender marker and I was like, yeah, I'm just sending it off. Like, whatever, I'm going to play this. Yeah. And little did I know the problems that would arise. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I started, I started uh, the season and there was already problems from the start. Uh, no one knew what to do with me. Uh, it was... very problematic from the start and then the more that i started to quote unquote pass as as male the more the problems came so i was way more visible uh like visibly uh different than everybody else um and therefore a lot more prone to stares and comments and harassment yeah and basically that whole season i I felt completely in danger all of the time. I it got to a certain point where I I would go in and out of arenas like hiding my face. I um yeah, it was it was on the ice. I tried not to be visible whatsoever and it got to a certain point that I I needed to ask my teammates to walk me in and out of the dressing room because I was scared I was going to be attacked. Gosh. And yeah, it was, it was terrifying. And so at the end of that season, I wrote, I wrote to Ringette Quebec, which is the, uh, the association of Ringette for Quebec. And I said, you know, 
I am super implicated in in the Ringette community. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Um, and I like more recently came out as trans. Blah blah blah. And I'm scared when I play, and I like I I don't know what I'm doing. And I would like a formal maybe acknowledgement that I can play so that I yeah. feel maybe a little bit more secure. Yeah. Um, so you can be like, okay, but this. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, totally. if people are like, yeah. fuck you, you can't be here. Yeah. I, I'm able to be like, no, but I can. And they didn't answer for a while. And I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to continue playing, I guess. And uh, they eventually answered a couple months later and they said, you can't play essentially. Makes me so, so angry. <laughs> yeah, they they said, well, you know, they they said it in a very loophole way, yeah. uh, which is you can play in the gender category in which you identify. So um, you can play in a male or mixed category, which doesn't exist. Um, so that's <laughs> start your own cool. team. Start, <laughs> yeah, your, start own your own league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my just, god, just play by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh so, and I, 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 I saw it as an injustice cause I was like, I was like, well, that kind of shitty, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just like stop playing now? Like what? Yeah. And so I went to a lawyer and I was like, well, you know, this seems unjust. And, um, he sent basically, it's called a mise en demeure, which is like a, like an official letter kind yeah. of thing being like, Hey, this is not cool. Um, and if you don't like get better than legal action they they didn't answer and i was like okay maybe maybe I, like they were kind of scared and they were like okay fine you know play because yeah. i i didn't know i got no answer so i started out my season um so in the fall of 2019 mm -hmm. i started out my season and i was playing and it was you know it, it was it was okay like it wasn't the safest but yeah. it was it was okay it was fine i loved playing i loved being on the ice and then come November 2019, after one of my games, my coach pulled me aside and said, we got news from Ringette Quebec uh, saying that if you continue to play, they're going to disqualify the entire team. So shitty. I can't. <sighs> it was it was awful. Like thinking back on that, I walked into that arena being like, I'm here to like play with my friends. Yeah. And I walked out being like, that was my last game ever, you know, and that's awful. Like in that yeah. moment, I was like, I have to decide whether I stand up for my rights or I like let everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Play. They sort of like turned you into the bad guy. Basically they were like, yeah. wow. Okay. Well then you're going to mess up all of if this. You want to fight for your rights. Then you're going to screw over everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the long short version <laughs> since then, you know, I, I kind of took a couple months to, you know, process everything. It was terribly emotional. And then I thought, you know, maybe in the spring of 2020, I would, I would uh, jump to action pandemic. Oh, no. I know. Uh, no. So come oh, 2021, here we are. And I am finally springing to action. So I did a podcast with CBC called The Doc Project mm -hmm. and made a, a podca podcast documentary about kind of my experience with Ringette to get the message out there and right now i'm working in team with with a pro bono lawyer which is awesome um to kind of push ring at quebec to um be more inclusive yeah so that that's my that's my big activism thing right now 
Yeah, yeah to- I mean, totally. And I think I think it's interesting because like you like you were saying, like you have this sort of background of activism and um, there were already like things that you, you know, had been doing of your own accord. But I think it's interesting. I feel like uh, oftentimes, I mean, I, I mean, this is a question, so I guess I'll just frame it as a question. Like, <laughs> this is sort of a leading question that I know the answer mm-hmm. to. But like, don't you feel like oftentimes like as queer people, like we're sort of forced into activism to like fight for our own rights? You know what I mean? all the time (laughs) all of the time i think it's almost (laughs) inevitable that marginalized people will most likely be the ones that are activists because they're the ones that actually experience the discrimination firsthand yeah totally we're just like hey we're being oppressed Um, (laughs) hey by the way i want my rights (laughs) i don't know just like made me think of the monty python scene in the holy grail where it's like i'm being oppressed that's how i feel (laughs) That's how I feel. Um, and like, I, I always think about it as like, like I'm still like, even as a trans person and like, mm-hmm. I have other marginalized identities, but I'm still like a white man at the end of the day. And yeah. I feel this shitty. And I'm like, how does everybody else feel? Like, 100%. I'm being treated like this. Like, <laughs> my gosh, it's just wild. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's just like, I think it's interesting that you kind of had both experiences of like, sort of choosing to engage in activism and sort of being like forced to engage in activism yeah. in order to like fight for your own rights and i guess like force is a weird because like you could have just been like okay i guess well i will play and like left like mm-hmm. but you yeah. know like but in a way that was like you were help you know putting it up against the wall like you have to do something or mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's interesting though that i i have a very hard time i think a lot of people do this have a very hard time like advocating for myself but i can advocate for others <laughs> yeah uh-huh you know so like when it came to like animals and stuff i was like yeah you know activism blah, blah. and then it came to me and i was like <gasps> i know <laughs> like, it's so hard terrible yeah well and doesn't it like and i mean i'm not i'm not trying to get therapist here but i think it mm. often comes from like we don't value ourselves yeah. as much as we value other people Mm-hmm. And then, like, we don't want to fight. Like, we were like, oh, I'm not worth fighting for. But, like, th- that rabbit is worth fighting for. Um, yeah. You know? And it's just, like, again, it's, like, I think this often happens to trans people um, or to queer people mm-hmm. in general. Because, like, we gr- often grow up, like, not being able to be ourselves and having all this weird, like, emotional stuff going on. And it's just, like, um, it's hard to, like, value and fight, want to fight for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And also sometimes it's tiring, like, as a trans oh, person, yeah. like I had to fight for myself every fucking day. I go to Starbucks and they, they like get my name, you know, they put like my dead name on it. I picked a name yeah. that rhymes with my dead name, which is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I was trying to make it easy for, even when I picked my fucking name, I was trying to make it easy for everybody else. Yeah, I totally like, get that. <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh my gosh. But like, you know what I mean? I feel like it's all these microaggressions and like things and it, we're just like tired. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to have to fight for ourselves. Someone else, allies. Yeah. This is how you it's can help. Exhausting. Your allies are like, how can we help? Fight, fight for us. You go to the lawyer. <laughs> you, you convince people that I need yeah, rights. Right. Like. Well, oftentimes we need uh, we need allies in majority communities, right? Mm-hmm. Because those are the people, right? Like the is it is it white men in charge of ringette? Yeah. Oh like yeah, one hundred. That's hilarious. Okay, it? um, it's ridiculous. that makes no sense. Okay, so like yeah. the I just assumed because you know white men are in charge of everything in Quebec because yeah. like we have we have everything like in French, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you go through policies and stuff, all in French, all of the um all the players are feminine, yeah. 
and all of the coaches are masculine. Yeah, it's just like, you know, those those white men need to hear other white men be like, no, you're wrong. Not like someone in a community or like a person who they like don't, you know, maybe dismiss your identity or like what, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like they're not taking you seriously. Like they, I think sometimes they need to hear people need to hear people from their own community or other like majority communities to be taken seriously. Like it's not which serious when the minority yeah. communities or the marginalized communities are like saying things, which is like, it makes no, stupid. But yeah. it's like, you know, it's like that situation where like, you'll say something and people are like, no. And then someone else will say the same exact thing. And they're like, that's a great <laughs> idea. Like, that's how it is. We need yeah. that ally to say the same exact fucking thing mm-hmm. for it to Just take retell it my joke. They'll find it funny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, um, because I think people are always asking like how they can be good allies. I'm like, that's the way to be a good ally. So do that work for us and help us with that work. It's funny because like you had first reached out to me like a while ago, like months ago, and you were just like, hey, like this is mm-hmm. you sent me like the doc project and you're like, this is my story. Like, is there any way you could like incorporate this into what you do? And at the time I was like, I have no idea how I could make this work. But I, you know, obviously I was like, I can share it like on social media or whatever, mm-hmm. but like I don't know how I can incorporate it into an episode. And then it was so funny because I was doing the episode and I had reached out. I think I had emailed you back and it like got lost in your emails and then I never mm-hmm. heard back from you. I was like, whatever. And then I was literally just going to email you. I had this epi- this like episode happening, and I was like, "Oh, this would actually be great for them." And you emailed me the same day. You were like, "Oh, this got lost in my emails." I just and I was like, "This is weird. It's meant to be." Um, but anyway, all that to say that when I when you first sent me like the article and the doc project thing, I, I was reading your story and I found it interesting because I feel like we often hear this in the opposite direction of like mm-hmm. a trans person who you know transitions, but then like they're not allowed to play. Like they want to like a trans woman who wants to play in the women's league and isn't allowed. Right. And it's sort of from the, like in the opposite direction is sort of how we hear this story. And so I'm curious if like, if like people have a hard time understanding why you want to play on a girl's team, if you're not a girl, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's, it's a very unique situation. Yes. Um, Because there's no like boy, there's no category for you to be in. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So we're seeing this conversation of trans people in sports blow up in the media right now and not in a positive way whatsoever. We are being so completely discriminated against in sports. Yeah. So just, just even, you know, I don't know if you keep up with, with uh, a lot of the politics of, of trans people in sports, but um, right now in the U S it is a shit show. It is. Yeah. That, that's what it is. There was a law just passed in Florida that it is legal to do a genital inspection on on athletes that they think are trans. What? Yeah. That I, makes no sense. Like, I also love this idea that you think you can tell who's trans and who's I, not trans. I like, know. Uh, like, one time, you know, when, when the, like, bathroom stuff was, like, really all, like, blowing mm-hmm. up in the media and, like, in, I don't know if it was North or South Carolina, but, like, yeah, somebody, North. like, a, a cis woman got harassed because she, lo- you know, someone thought that she looked like a trans person. And, like, they would not let her in the bathroom. And I was just like, because you don't know, like, you can't look yeah. at someone and tell what gender they are. That's not how gender works. Unless you have a shirt that says, this is my gender. And even then, like, yeah. could be could be ironic. So you never know. So, like, it's just that the whole everything is just like, like, why people care so much about other pe- what other people do with their lives will never 
I will never understand. Like, I don't have time for that. Like, to give a crap about what other people. I mean, maybe it's like just my New Yorker mentality, but I'm just like, do whatever you want to do. It's so funny. People are always like, oh, New York is so accepting. And we're not. We just don't care. Like, (laughs) we don't care what you're doing. We're too busy. (laughs) I got my own shit to deal with. Yeah, right. I don't know. One one time I literally saw somebody on the sidewalk juggling. They were on a a unicycle and they were juggling baby dolls. And I was like, I am never the weirdest (laughs) thing in New York City. Like, as a trans person, I'm not the weirdest thing that's happening here. Like, that, it's fine. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, in this in this conversation, in this very messed up conversation that we're having right now, it's about allowing athletes to play in the gender category in which they identify. Yeah. And that, that's the big thing right now. In the case of ringette, which is um, very particular, and the only other sport that you're going to see this in is maybe, like, synchronized swimming. Which yeah. is very similar and is a very female based sport. Yeah. Um, which is rare. Ringette, in this case of Ringette, um, being that that there is only a female league offered, that's the league that I want to play in. Yeah. You I know mean, that would make sense. You don't want to just make your own league of one person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just get all of the trans people, put them in one league. Like <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. I would go see a you know league what? of all want. I, <laughs> I had this idea that I was like, um, and this is this is like maybe post-COVID, which would be really lovely, is to do like a queer tournament, like a queer ringette tournament, yes. and then just get a bunch of queer people to like play ringette. Well, that was like really last, well, whatever winter was before COVID. I don't even know how long it's been <laughs> this, at this point. Um, they they did uh, some queer folks just had like a queer hockey, like just like it was just like whatever, like any level. I was like, I played the last time I played hockey. I was in elementary school, but I like the idea of it. Can I come? And they were like, sure. And it was just like a bunch of queer people playing hockey. Yeah, I participated in the same thing in like this. Yeah, in like this gay hockey league. Yes, uh, and it we did this like North American tournament, and it was like, it was really sick. That's so fun. Well, that's the thing, and then and then people will be like, "Why do you need to make a gay one?" And I'm like, "Cause you won't let me play in the other one." Like, <laughs> what, like why do gay people need their own stuff? Like, cause you won't <laughs> let us join your stuff. Ah. Yeah. Oh my god! It's but so literally, funny. it though. But I yeah, so I people cannot wrap their their minds around it so when my story came out i got um a wild amount of uh public interest in this story um which also meant a wild amount of public hate hate yeah Uh, oh yeah oh yeah i I, and i I remember this this phrase very clearly because i kept getting it. it was like you can't have the best of both worlds yeah you can't be Hannah Montana. Um, <laughs> but it, it, basically saying that I can't identify as something other than female and want to play in a female league. Okay. But then where do I play? Yeah. Okay. That's the thing that's really particular about this situation is that there exactly. is nowhere else for you. Right. Like if there was another mm-hmm. league for you to play in, that would be a different story. But yeah, it's then put like- me in that. <laughs> but like there's no other option so like you yeah. need to make you need to think about it and make an exception mm-hmm. or do whatever you need to do but like it, mm-hmm. it just yeah that's what i think is like particular about your situation and so i think that's... it's trans masculine people in ringette are a kind of direct example to the exclusivity of ringette because yeah. it's exclusive other than than gender as well it is is it's a very exclusive community um 
and in, you know, in race and wealth. Um, And just because trans masculine people used to maybe fit that mold of what a ringette player is and now have transitioned out of it, we are able to kind of see that like, why don't we belong in this community anymore? Yeah, there's, um, something, there's something going on with the community then, right? Exactly. So there's something wrong with the community at its core. So yeah, it is, It is. you know, people are like, why do you want to play in a feminine league? And it's like, I, I don't want to play in a feminine league. I want everyone to play in a league. Right, like, like why does it need to be... Destroy gender. Um, I can't. Uh, that's that's my. I just like don't yeah. again. Like, why do we even care? What gen- like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, if you want to play sport, just go play it. Fling yeah. a ring into a net. Have fun. Right? Do it. So as we're uh, kind of wrapping things up, I'm mm-hmm. curious. You know what you would again the youth. Uh, what would you you know if there are other like young people um, who are interested in sort of getting into involved with activism uh without you know maybe being forced <laughs> um, that would be nice if it was just like their choice uh you know what would Lovely. what would maybe uh be some advice you might have for them sort of because i feel like it's kind of a hard thing to just be like i want to be an activist and they're like what do i do mm-hmm. <laughs> i think the biggest thing that i get across in um all of my workshops and so i give you know i give educational workshops about mm-hmm. gender about sexuality about about animal welfare and the biggest thing that i try to get across is activism is different for everybody so there's not one way to create change you know there's some people who picture activism and you picture the person that's at the speakerphone at, at a protest but in actual fact there is so many people behind that there are people who make art there are people mm-hmm. who talk to the people around them they might share a post on instagram they might yeah, like write letters make phone calls like whatever skill you have i feel like it's two things i feel like it's like whatever you're passionate about and whatever mm-hmm. skills you have like you can absolutely use them like someone i was talking to someone recently and they were saying like yeah i would just like my kid and i would just like make signs for the protests and hand them out to people who didn't have signs mm-hmm. right like because we have art skills or like whatever skills you have i feel like you can find a way to incorporate yeah yeah there's not one way to create change it's all of the different ways that create change all together totally we need people doing all those different kinds of things for sure exactly so when you think of like youth um (laughs) when young people think like (laughs) like how can i create change well look at what you're good at look at what you want to do and find a way to create change that way yeah. So before we go, I just want to ask you if you if you would like to be found on the internet, where can people find you and the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um. I post most of the stuff that I'm doing on Instagram. Okay. I'm not super active, but when I do post, it's usually about what I'm doing. Uh, my Instagram is granddaddy.smith. Ridiculous name to put out there, but I've I've kind of owned it at this point. I, I love so. it. <laughs> it's, it's like when people will like my, my mom used to be in a position at a job where she would interview people and she'd be like you're applying for this position and your email is like little hot lady or like what yeah. i'm like i kind of love that when people it's like go for it at hotmail.com like you've had this email <laughs> since you were like 10 i love it oh my gosh mm. but anyway uh as far as like workshops and stuff is that also the best place to reach out to you uh you can reach out to me through instagram and um if ever you want to reach out about animal welfare um you can look up engage animal welfare education online find us 
I love that. Yeah, I am also really, as I mentioned, we have we have several buddies. We have three, um, two from the SPCA, mm-hmm. and I'm also just like super passionate about like the, some of the like the condition that some of them were in when they came in to the SPCA mm-hmm. was just like. Well, especially like about where my wife and I are like crazy bunny people. Like we have a stroller for our buddies. We're like that level. Uh, we take them on walks. It's cra- one time we okay. I thought I was crazy, and one time we were walking with our buddies and we passed someone with the same stroller with a cat in it. And I was like, okay, no there's way. there's other people that are like weirdos that take unconventional animals out for walks. I love that. <laughs> um, but anyway, like yeah, it was just like it was so sad to see like the the condition that they were in. Like Mabel, when we got her, she's a lion head, so she's super fluffy she had never been brushed i don't think her whole life she was three months old and like just like met like we brushed her to the point where there was a pile of fur i sent the picture to my mother to be like oh my god look how much fur and she thought it was the bunny like that's how big it was <laughs> and then like uh also around easter time um people will just like give kids bunnies because they think it's cute and then like so many bunnies get abandoned at easter and people will just throw them in the wild like you can survive they can't if ever you want to do a full episode on animal welfare oh my god <laughs> yeah i can can talk about that forever oh yeah oh my gosh um but but anyway before we get on a 30 minute rant about animal welfare (laughs) um uh i guess it's time to say our goodbyes thank you so much for being here it's been a really a pleasure thanks for having me it's been it's been really nice talking to you you're so welcome Hey folks, thanks for joining us for our very last episode of the season. This is our season finale. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us through season two. We are actually going to be going on a little bit of a hiatus. So um, we're going to be uh, gone for the summer and we'll come back in September with brand new episodes for season three. So today's episode is actually a little short. This is actually the end of the episode. We had another guest slated who is a super awesome 10 year old actor. Um, but she ended up getting a little shy and deciding not to be on the podcast last minute. So uh, we totally respect that. Uh, I understand how, you know, it can even for adults, I think sometimes um, we get a little nervous when we have to speak publicly and things like that. So anyway, all that to say that there is not going to be another guest after this mid-roll, which I guess is now a post-roll. I also wanted to bring your attention to another thing that Dawson is spearheading, uh, which is a petition to make Ringette Quebec a little more inclusive. Um, So that uh, link to that petition is going to be in the show notes. So definitely check that out and please sign if you feel comfortable and can. So as I mentioned last week, I've been working on a new project, uh, which is a children's activity subscription box called Boredom Breakers Box. And uh, the website and everything is finally live. So you can definitely check that out at www.boredombreakersbox.com. And basically it is a box full of tons of activities um, that you can basically pull out anytime your kid is bored. It's a quarterly box, so it's delivered every three months. And each box contains about 15 activities and 15 crafts for a total of 30 things to do with your kiddo. And it comes with everything you need to do it and the instructions as well. If you're just looking to try it out or you don't want to commit to a subscription, uh, we also have a sample box um, that just contains uh, a couple of activities so you can get an idea uh, for what we're all about. And you can also just buy a one-time box if you want to just check it out. We're offering a really amazing discount for our Bad Child listeners. Um, It's 25% off any box or subscription. So that code is RADCHILD. So definitely check out www.boredombreakersbox.com. And uh, yeah, please um, feel free to share with friends, family, 
people you meet on the street, anyone. Um, we're just trying to get the word out there. So other than that, it's just the typical stuff. First of all, of course, we want to give a shout out to the Upford Network, which is the podcast network we're a part of. They have tons of amazing shows, uh, all different kinds of uh, topics. So definitely check them out at www.upfordnetwork.com. Also, as always, definitely check out uh, www.akidsbookabout.com for awesome children's books about all kinds of topics. Um, and you can get $5 off your order uh, with the code RADCHILD2021NEW, N-E-W. Um, so yeah, definitely check them out. And of course, if you're not already following us on social media, you can do so um, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We're at radchildpodcast. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can email us at radchildpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, www.radchildpodcast.com, and go to the contact section. There's also information there about how to be a guest, so if you're interested in that, definitely fill out that form, and uh, we'll get back to you if we think you're a good fit for a future episode. And last but certainly not least, uh, if you'd like to support us financially, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash radchildpodcast, or you can just go to patreon.com and search radchildpodcast. We are the only one. Uh, and uh, yeah, there you can make a monthly donation as little as a dollar a month to help support us in the work that we do. And you can also get awesome rewards uh, for, again, as little as a dollar a month. You can get things like monthly bloopers, uh, coloring pages relating to the themes. Um, you can get story time with me. Uh, there's a book club. There's just all kinds of different things. You can get a care package with all sorts of fun things in it. Seth's Picks is my personal favorite because I love to do it, which is basically um, either every month, every other month, or a couple of times a year, depending on which tier you are. Uh, you get awesome things in the mail that I like. So it might be a children's book. It might be an adult book about um, about kids. It might be a toy that I think is really cool. So it's all kinds of different things that I think are really rad. So anyway, that that's it for season two. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, remember, stay rad. This episode is brought to you by MomBN, a Glad Media award-winning website offering a mix of parenting, politics, diversions, and resources for lesbian moms and other LGBTQ parents since 2005. New this year is a database of more than 600 books and other media for and about LGBTQ families, which you can filter by topics and identities. And please join us June 1st for hashtag LGBTQ Families Day, the annual social media event to celebrate and support LGBTQ families, Visit mombian.com for details. That's M-O-M-B-I-A-N.com. Hello, my name is Devon, and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends, and it's a podcast, and it will make you laugh, and we talk to some of my good friends, and they're crazy and hilarious and wacky, and you're going to love them just as much as I do. Currently, while I'm recording this, I forgot to mute all my other takes, so I'm hearing myself say different words in my ears. The show comes out every Monday, weekly. Hey, I'm October Jones, and Hi, this is... I'm fish with legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. 
October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Wait for adults and kids. <sighs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. <laughs>